afternoon everyone i am stephen drew from the architecture social and i am joined here by ruchi sabale am I, did i get that right ruchi yes Stephen. Oh, right. <laughs> yes okay fantastic ruchi it's a pleasure to have you here and what a joy it's a bit of a strange time but hey donald trump is not here this is free this is free territory <laughs> We might we might have the vaccine coming out and all this stuff, which is great, and um, it's just nice to take a breather and also chat a little bit about architecture. But one of the reasons, of course, it was good to speak to you. I think, though, looking at your career today and having discussed it and having explored it with you is absolutely fascinating. So, it's a pleasure for you to join us. How are you, first of all? Are you okay, Stephen? Thank you so very much. First of all, it's an honor to be a part of this fantastic. <laughs> platform architectural Ooh. social i love it i ah. absolutely love it and uh you know having gone through what you have been doing in the past few months i think it's abs- a fantastic platform for uh, oh. young people to come together and sort of share and have conversations so thank you for having me thank you no worries of course and so for anyone that hasn't met you so far so we can i can see here on your career as well you you you've been a project architect in india yeah. you've then been an urban design consultant you've been in a senior designer you've done a bit of interior designer you are like super lady right now and then <laughs> and so you are an, you're an associate as well as that and one of the reasons why i thought it'd be good to talk today is because you are um, a project manager in an architectural practice which is quite an impressive feat and not a role that is typically done so wow first of all how have you done so much stuff what's your secret is there a (laughs) secret in there you know what i have always sort of been uh, super enthusiastic and super eager to sort of just try new things i mean that's Mm. just been you know in my nature so uh, perhaps that's just given me opportunities as well because you know you many times you do go looking for opportunities but sometimes sometimes they just come to you so i've just been really fortunate and perhaps lucky enough, you know, uh, to be able to try my hand, uh, you know, a little bit at everything just to get an idea. So, uh, but, you know, I, I sort of perhaps just like to take a little step back and, mm. you know, talk you through a little bit, uh, sort of interesting part of my journey, which actually started, you know, soon after I finished or, you know, uh, when I did architecture, because, um, I think that's what was the changing point or, you know, the pivotal point that I started thinking a little bit differently. I think all architects do. I'm sure you would agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, um, what I got an opportunity was that in, in, I think it was part two, uh, experience that I, I had, I had this fantastic opportunity to work with, uh, architect BV Doshe. You know, he is, uh, one of the Pritza award winners. Uh, he's the only Indian architect to have gotten this award, right? Oh, in wow. So many years. And at that point in time, it was absolutely pivotal for me to be able to sit with him, to have conversations with him because your mind and your, uh, you know, you, you are so hungry to learn things and your, your mind is really tender, uh, you know, trying to understand different sides of architecture and design. So uh, he was really, you know, sort of um, a main uh, uh, sort of contributor to what I did later in life. And after completing architecture, obviously, I, I ended up uh, doing my master's in urban planning. 
from the school Amazing. planning and architecture. And uh, I think then my quest of, you know, sort of uh, just sort of meeting people, you know, talking to them sort of just came very naturally to me. And uh, again, uh, opportunities uh, came through and I just literally took any opportunity head on, you know, without sometimes you, you overthink. And I have, I do, I do overthink a lot. Uh, I'm a victim of that. But I think at that point in time, uh, I just went with the flow. And um, when I did that, I think I learned a lot. It's amazing. And so, so you basically, and I can see here, so your, your, your LinkedIn profile is like a quest. It's like a journey. I love it. It's literally like, and because it's important. You've actually practiced architecture in many different places as well, haven't you? So you you studied. Um, so at first, you studied in the School of Planning and Architecture in New Delhi yes. and Masters of Urban Planning, City, Urban Community and Regional Planning. So that's quite interesting in itself. So you were you were initially interested in in urban design and kind of large scale architecture. Is that the yes. case? Yes, I was. And I think, again, uh, coming back to Doshi, when I worked with the Vastu Shil Foundation, you know, which was uh, uh, his firm uh, where I worked, uh, when we used to have these very odd lunchtime conversations with him, uh, he always used to say that, you know, an architect is like a sthapati. You know, sthapati is like the Indian uh, uh, connotation or Sanskrit word for someone who's called as uh, the master builder. You know, someone right. who, who brings everything together. It was, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, throw in a little bit of philosophy, throw in a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, history and, uh, you know, uh, all, all that sort of things together. So it was very interesting conversations. And the idea of uh, someone who can bring things together sort of just stuck with me in my head. Mm. Uh, and then uh, if you zoom out of architecture, you know, you're into something that is called as urban design. If you zoom out of urban design, you're something which is called as urban planning. So I think I had this very natural inclination of looking at the bigger picture uh, and, you know, getting to know how things work. So, you know, that's what was my drive after finishing architecture. I wanted to do, you know, urban planning slash urban design. So Amazing. And what's quite interesting is because we're, we're talking about a large scale, but yeah. you've also... And so we're talking about some of the, the the stuff that you did in India as well, which is amazing. But you came to the UK at some point around what? Um, 2007. It seems around two, yeah. 2007. So you had a nice year or two before the, the crash of the market. But Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So you had a bit of a nice time, but then you joined Benoit. And what's interesting, because the work at Benoit is very different. And I can imagine a lot of it was retail as well. Yes. And that is completely the different end of the scale, isn't it? Compared Absolutely. to what we're talking. Absolutely. So, yeah. What did you do at Benoit? It'd be lovely to hear about some of the stuff and how different it was maybe, and you know, culturally and what you learned and that different scale. I would love yes. to understand it. And again, a very interesting story with Benoit, Stephen. Uh, it so happened that I was working in Mumbai with a retail firm again uh, called Astro Zone. And um, at that point in time, uh, I was uh, obviously, you know, working as an urban urban design consultant. And uh, I was very heavily involved in uh, getting planning applications, you know, in the Indian context, obviously, you know, talking mm. to people, talking to public and getting some projects approved. And I sort of, you know, had the idea and the knowledge base of sort of maneuvering, um, uh, you know, through the through the statutory processes that were there in India. And uh, there was a time, uh, 
around that time that my husband and I, we sort of, you know, decided to move to the UK, uh, mm. you know, just to explore, you know, uh, you know, widen the canvas a bit and see, see what's in store. And uh, this particular firm that I worked with, fortunately, had a joint venture with uh, Capital Shopping Centers, which was, uh, you know, where Blue Benoit and Capital Shopping Centers were partners in Blue Waters, right? I mean, that's how, you know, they wanted to expand their uh, retail and architecture expertise uh, in Asia and in India. So I was, uh, I had literally handed over my resignation letter, but uh, my director then in Prozone was like, hey, where are you going, right? Well, why are you going? Where are you going? So when I did say that I was moving to London, he said, well, hang on a minute. I think this would be an awesome opportunity for you because I feel that, you know, you're the right person to work cohesively with Benoit, being a part of Benoit uh, and, uh, you know, telling them because they had already we were going to do the concept design and the schematic design for one of the projects that I had worked on. Right. So anyway, I I got telephonically interviewed uh, just before Christmas uh, by Graham Cartledge, who was then the chairman. Uh, oh, yeah. It was uh, a fab experience. It was fantastic talking to him. Then eventually I they, I did have a series of formal uh, interviews. And uh, yes, uh, they, they felt perhaps I was the right fit. And uh, they really appreciated the fact that I brought in a lot of uh, uh, cultural, um, regional understanding of the place. Uh, that's what was required for the level of design that they were putting into because you literally you know design concept you can't just take a western uh, you know ideologies and sort of just stick it in asia or in any different uh, cultural setup so i think it was a fantastic opportunity for me it was like a jigsaw puzzle so even before i landed to the uk i had a job in hand which was really fortunate and i consider myself really really fortunate to have that um so yes i did work on india projects after that and then um the the crash was about to happen, but uh, mm. slowly what happened was that the Indian project started, uh, you know, they were, they, they reached, they, they finished the schematic design and, you know, they were sort of, uh, um, there was a calm time uh, after that. And then the Middle East was growing during that time, as we all know. And then there was only the money flowing from the Middle East. So we uh, worked and I worked on projects, which was uh, Yas Island and the Ferrari world, which I think was a fabulous experience for me. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, uh, as I said to you, I, I have just uh, been very um, uh, appreciative of the fact that, you know, you have an opportunity to learn something more. So as you had rightly said before that, you know, I, I've sort of done the large scale as well as, you know, the interiors. Uh, when I was put into or when I was a part of this uh, urban uh, planning scale a level project, uh, suddenly there was a component when the project progressed and they wanted someone to really take care of the interior sides, you know, of, of someone who could perhaps churn out some small packages and interior packages. And uh, there I was, you know, I just put my hand up you know, ready to do it. I, I sort of had, you know, uh, done it in India to a level, but, you know, I wanted to explore and just challenge myself uh, to understand everything about, uh, you know, the, the design integrities and, uh, you know, the building regulations, etc. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the culture in Benoit was, I mean, the people there were absolutely fantastic. And I think that's what I think makes the workplace, uh, you know, a go-to place if the people around are, you know, really, um, sort of helpful in, in so many ways. And they had a, they, since they, it was a multicultural, um, environment, uh, it was, it was very, um, it, it was a fantastic exchange of, uh, 
design ideologies or you know even aspects like you know uh, statutory rules and regulations which you could just literally pick up the phone uh, you know to our colleagues back in asia uh, and then just learn from them so it was great so they're they're a really good company and that, and i guess what is, it's interesting to talk about that period is because i was a part one in 2008 going into 2009 right. and and uh, i remember i joined the epr architects and you know they were a great company but they, they were it was a tough time there was redundancies there and it yeah. was and that's why anyone during this period right now with coronavirus i mean there's yeah. definitely similar similar strains so yeah. it, it, that's why i always try to remind people that you can survive it you can get through it it's not it's not going to be easy but yeah. um i imagine it was tough for a while but not you saying it's a good culture as well but like everyone during the pandemic you have to work extra hard, kind of survive it. You know, it's 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 not it's not for the faint of heart. So, what was it like at Benai at the time? Was it all just muscling down, powering through on the projects you were doing, and just keeping afloat? Yes, absolutely. And I think it was challenging. Two thousand and nine was extremely challenging. Um, but uh, you know, again, I, I think I was just uh, fortunate enough to be in a team uh, and to mm. be in a project that had a lot of uh, revenue coming in, and uh, they had a lot of you know the projects were still ticking. And although we had reduced in size in terms of the team, um, there were you know we, we were thin, uh, completely thin, like right from you know sixty odd people working on a project, we were literally fifty percent, and wow. we literally had to do um, you know work extra hours, literally burn the candle at both the ends kind of a situation, right? Um, but uh, somehow we survived and I sort of, you know, managed to be employed and not being made redundant during that time. So I was just lucky enough, you know, really to be, to, to just continue. You did, you did really well. And so you survived that. We all had a few bruises during that era. And so in total, you were just to kind of, um, cause I, uh, to visualize it for people, you were at Benoit for, for a near, close to nine years. So yes, yes. that clearly says the kind of company culture they were, but also is a testament to yourself. So you were at Benoit for nine years and then, um, another opportunity presented itself. So you, you, you moved to Kalasana TKL, right? Yeah. And, and this is where we're getting a bit interesting because this, this, I'd love to hear about you joining Kalsanati KL, but why I thought this would be a great subject is that I always get asked about project management and architecture. Yeah. And, and you kind of fell into this role, right? So, you, yeah. so we've done urban design, we've done interior <laughs> design, you've done everything. And now you, you, you join somewhere else and, and you effectively go into the, the role of project management. How did that yeah. come about then? Right. So while I was with Benoit, and uh, again, uh, I think the credit also goes to, uh, you know, the directors who were there then, who were absolutely amazing in terms of mentorship. And uh, while I had sort of spent a lot of time working on different sectors from hospitality to retail, you know, to residential in, in Benoit, uh, there was a part of me that I just thought that I am not exploring my full potential, you know. I I wanted to do something more, like something that uh, I could um, perhaps have a bit more, you know, challenge myself, really, to be honest. Uh, and it's so easy. And you would agree, I think, that, you know, in architecture, it is so easy to get sort of pigeonholed in doing yes. something that you are doing for so many years and you get into that level of comfort zone. And I think mm -hmm. to break out of that comfort zone is is a step in itself. 
And I think that happened to me. That happened to me a little before I actually joined the Callison. And uh, I had this very honest conversation with uh, one of my, uh, you know, lady directors at that at that time. And since I had worked on a project in South Korea with her, and I had sort of managed, uh, you know, a few South Korean clients very well, she was really pleased with the way I had handled that situation. And she she just came to me one day and she said, you know what, Ruchi, I think you should you 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 should just look out a little bit you know you i think you can do so much more and i think that really gave me the confidence you know of uh, sort of just following my natural skill sets something that came really naturally to me and i was genuinely interested in, like i used to really pester my directors asking them very odd questions you know the key side of architecture is something that i really wanted to know you know how do you get a project how do you run it where does the money come from and how do you manage the resources everything you know all those sort of questions uh, and sometimes I did get good answers, but sometimes I didn't really get any answers. So <laughs> I, I really wanted to find out, you know, how how do you seal a deal? Like for me, that was really fascinating. And you know, I I uh, when I, when I was studying in India, obviously. Some people do have this natural temperament of, you know, they have the business acumen of sort of having a deal and, you know, going out there and, you know, selling yourself and you know, sealing a deal, basically. But there are some things that are actually not taught in architecture schools. You know, we are fabulous. We are great in design. We know the basics. We know how things work. But how to actually get business is something that I really wanted to know. And um, I think um, that's what was my trigger. After eight, eight and a half years and after having mm. this uh, push from uh, my director uh, and giving me the confidence, I just thought that, you know what, I really need to look into this. And uh, I just, you know, spent some time just literally introspecting what was I good at. I was obviously, you know, I thought that, you know, I'm great with people. I have great people skills. I can understand. I can get the bigger picture. And, you know, my my knowledge of urban planning, urban design, everything helped me in sort of analyzing this. And then something that um, uh, was there in front of me was uh, I wanted to manage, I wanted to be someone like a go-to person if uh, a project had to be, uh, you know, started or completed. Like I really liked mm -hmm. that idea of uh, being in control of uh, situations. So, uh, and uh, project management at that time at Callison Articale was again, like a role that was, I thought that was completely stitched for me <laughs> because I think they, they, you know, they offered, they offered this uh, project management role and they actually train you as a project manager uh, internally within Callison wow. Articale. And for me, again, like I've just been, you know, fortunate. I, I just feel that, uh, you know, people uh, who you meet in your journey of your career or even your professional and personal life um, have a lot of uh, role to play in how you sort of progress through. And um, my mentor there, Stephen Greenberg, uh, really was someone who really told me the intricacies, the, the boring side of architecture. Uh, wow. if you put it that way but it was so interesting for me i loved the legal bit i loved the financial bits i loved the you know the the, the aspects of uh, just simple bookkeeping like i really wanted to know how do you do it you know how do you do it in real life how do you manage a small 200 square meter project vis-a-vis -vis, you know like a thousand a hundred thousand square meter project you know so uh yeah and of course client relationship is another story so i really enjoyed um, you know, my time there. Amazing. I think that's fantastic. It's there's such a nice insight. And I, 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 I'm loving your, uh, 
bundles of energy. I can see why you you <laughs> you you did really well in the role. And so, what would be really interesting is so you, now you've seen both sides because I think some uh, architects may like the idea of project management. You know, like, oh, I'd love to be a project manager, and it worked for you, right? And you love it, and you've yeah. done well in it. And maybe you can tell us a few antidotes a few things you've learned but at the same time i would say it's not for everyone and so what would you describe as the kind of personality that does well in project management or is there a few examples where maybe some people are suited to becoming an architect and then maybe it's more about learning certain skills which they can apply as an architect because not everyone needs to become a project manager right Correct. Absolutely. And you are absolutely true. And I mean, this, this, this is a real fact that everybody cannot be a project manager. Everybody doesn't have the temperament to become a project manager. And I think uh, what what I learned and what I analyzed about myself was that um, really project managers, you know, need to be fundamentals. You obviously need to be a people's person. You know, right. and project management, like in my dictionary, project management is more like priority management in my head. You know, I think we all are born project managers in our personal lives and our professional lives as well. You know, you, you are managing your life. You, you mm. have a, you know, life is a project, I feel, you know, so you, you tend to do these little tasks in day to day and then everybody is a project manager. But really in architecture, I think uh, there is so much thrown at, it is a, it is a mix. It is one of the most uh, complex fields, I feel. Um, in architecture when you talk about project management because uh, you need to be really jack of all trades and perhaps master of a few but mm -hmm. you do need to understand everything that comes together in actually doing a project and I think most importantly when you are working with people uh, and I think I have learned it you know, through my, through my own experience is something that you really need to understand the strengths of people who you are working with. You need to understand who's a researcher, who's an expert, who's a planner, who's a creative, you know, who's a communicator. And I think communication is a given in project management. You mm. can never be tired of being a good communicator. You have to be a good communicator. Like it's, it's something like, um, you know, you, you can't, uh, you can't live, uh, you can't be a good project manager if you can't, uh, you know, express your ideas and thoughts and, you know, communicate from A to B. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Look, I find that that's such a really great insight. And I always find that when, when speaking to someone, we can talk about client side roles, which involve project management, you know, work for a developer, and, but as well as an architecture, and an architectural practice being a project manager is quite a sought out role. Yeah. Um, I think that's such a good explanation and, explanation. and the other thing I always think about when speaking to these people is that what you have to remember is, and you tell me if you think this is a fair statement, when you're a project manager, hmm. you're about champion in the design for the best outcome hmm. you're all about getting that project built on time in budget for the clients happy and you're obviously you're an architect so you want the design tip top hmm. but you're not quote unquote the designer anymore per hmm. se is it your Correct. your role has changed and and that's the bit that i always think is that you can't have everything and that's the when you're a project manager you effectively step away from yes. that lead design role isn't it and yes you can't do both. That's no. impossible. No, that's impossible. And I think in a way that I think you have to have a level of contentment 
and yeah. acceptance that, okay, this is going to be my domain. I have limitations that are, you know, you need to learn to be able to pass the baton or give the responsibility and have that level of trust with people that they perhaps would do it uh, you know, to their expertise and to their level best. And this is where I'm saying again, you know, that you really need to identify in your team who's really what in your team, you know, mm. uh, because there are doers, you know, there are researchers. So you really, I think uh, that's what I really learned within Callison RTKL that to understand people's strengths, I think that really helped me do my projects in a very effective way. Mm. Um, because, uh, and of course, when, once you know, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the expertise of different people and the strengths or your strengths as versus their strength, you learn to delegate. And that's what this project management is all about, you know, a very cliche, but you know, I, I've, I've sort of grown up, uh, listening to this from my dad. It's like managing men slash women, you know, managing men is management, <laughs> you know? So, um, literally that, I mean, you tend to, you, you, you tend to learn, the art of delegation or the art of, uh, you know, managing men or managing people. Uh, and I, as, as I said before, and what you mentioned as well, it doesn't come naturally to everybody. So yeah, that's why everybody can't be a project manager. Yeah. And look, I mean, I'm not a project manager per se, but what I do is I do run the recruitment team in an architecture and the Donnelly company. And okay. you're right. There's a point when um, the team goes to a certain size that you have to, yeah, as you say, trust people. You have to understand yeah. people's strengths and weaknesses. And when and, and there's an art form to making that work. But then there's the other side of project management as well, where um, you is like you represent of obviously the architectural practice that you're working on, and you're working with the client. And yeah. then you know there's that there's that as you say, you've got to do the communication back and forth. But yeah. there's almost that bit that you have to represent your team. And what I always find funny is that while everything and the, the end result can be professional and you've got it all there. Like, you know what it's like behind yeah. the scenes as a project management, you yeah. could be right up to the line trying to organize things and it's yeah. human being. So a lot of the times things go wrong, right? Yeah, or part of, of your role would be like, you wake up and you'll be like, uh Oh, we haven't got this because something's happened. So it's not for the faint heart in that way, because, you know, sometimes you've got to be like, I've got my meeting at free. I've yeah. got to go in. Yeah. I've got to make sure everything's ready. Yeah. And things go wrong, don't they? A lot of the time. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And exactly, Stephen. So this, this brings me to something else that I have learned in this process is, you know, you have to be able to uh, understand the fact that there has to be a contingency plan. Always. Right. Like in, in my head, in my head, when I make a plan, whether it's a resource plan or a financial plan or anything in my head, I always think of the contingencies. I always think of a backup plan B has to be mentally ready, you know, while you're actually crafting your plan A. Right. And things go wrong. It's a, it's a given like every day. And again, that, 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 that and I want to stress this every day in a life of a project manager is different. Every day is different. <laughs> so if you are someone who, you know, doesn't like the, you know, the same old routine, then yes, project management may work for you because, uh, you know, it's, it's every day I've been to the office and it's, uh, sometimes it goes as planned. Sometimes it doesn't. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And so as well, and dispel this myth for me because <laughs> I now learn that project management, a lot of his communications, a lot of it's going to meetings, but my terribly inaccurate picture in my head at first was that a project manager literally sits in front of Excel all day with Gantt charts, you know, <laughs> but that's not what it's like at all, is it? So that, that's, a, that's a complete myth then. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could say that although Gantt charts and, uh, you know, Excel sheets do form a major part of, of our lives. But, uh, I, I do think that, uh, you know, I think again, being, being in an architectural firm and being a project manager in an architectural firm mm. gives you that, that window or that leverage of, you know, just speaking into and just participating in some fantastic design charrettes that you always you know, thought that you missed while being a project manager. <laughs> so, so I think, I think it's a balance. And uh, I think the most fun part of project management that I've really enjoyed is connecting with people. I think that's mm. what is something that I've really enjoyed. And I've, uh, I've, I've obviously honed on, 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 you know, that skill sets of uh, understanding people and knowing the background and just understanding how, how the financials work and, you know, how things really work. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's ended up me having conversations with our legal counsel, uh, right. you know, hours together, but uh, I think that is just out of my own interest. I don't expect anybody, you know, or, you know, everybody to have that level of interest, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of everything. I think it's um it's funny because I think with recruitment there's always a, there's an element of project management because each recruitment process is basically a project and then what I've learned is that in theory it should be so simple right yeah. you just like you fight you speak to someone you get them a job but it's totally not like that because yeah. it's the human interactions and the the quirkisms of yeah. real life of stuff popping up of crazy things happening and people timelines and yeah. and so so recruitment gets quite complicated when. And when that, in fact, it should be really simple. Yeah. And that's why I, I giggle a little bit because um, the idea of someone, basically, if you think project management is literally sitting in front of that Excel chart, the point is, is that your brain's going to go in overload day two because you're not following the Gantt chart because something happens, isn't it? It's a problem, <laughs> exactly. problem on site or, or someone, and well, they can't turn up, they Absolutely. put things back and... You know, and there's all these different, different stuff yeah. that comes up. So I tell you what, right? I actually had someone reach out to me, um, a lecturer from the University of Portsmouth, actually, mm -hmm. talked to me about um, project management and what we would say to students. Now, I'm quite confident in terms of talking to students about how to go about architecture, part one, mm -hmm. part two, or the new apprentice scheme, which is awesome. Yeah. I really always recommend that. Mm -hmm. But what, I mean, what would your advice be to anyone that kind of has an interest in project management and maybe they're not too sure how to go about it. Is there a few places you would look at first or do you speak with a practice or what would you, your advice be to anyone interested in that kind of um, career trajectory? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> I think there are a few couple of ways that you could possibly go. Um, but the most important thing is that I think um, uh, the person should be able to, you know, be open to work in an environment uh, where there are there is a heterogeneous mix of uh, either work or people, uh, because that's what's going to give him or her, uh, you know, a, a platform to to explore your own capacities and capabilities, you know, to work. Because ultimately, I think uh, working together together is is something that is a very a part of a soft skill. 
right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a mix of, you know, you can always apply what you have learned in your, uh, you know, whatever you have learned over the five years or seven years. But I think to apply them in real life is, uh, is a totally different aspect. But there are certain uh, companies who do offer uh, you know, this part of the role where you are okay. a part of a project management, a bigger project management team. Uh, and, you know, you are essentially working under the lead project manager, but you are helping him or her in the day-to-day, you know, aspects where you get like a flavor of, uh, you know, what is involved in running a project. Uh, yeah. And I would all obviously encourage, uh, you know, uh, there are, there are on, on, particularly on social media and uh, just generally on, uh, um, you know, YouTube or so many other aspects. So, you know, where you could listen to different podcasts or, you know, connect with people so easily these days, you know, over Instagram or I would not, I would sort of, you know, encourage them not to shy away. Reach out mm-hmm. to them if you if you know that you uh, if you know a mentor if you if you, or if you know someone who could be your mentor just feel free to reach out to them and don't be afraid to ask questions. Oh my God, I have asked so many questions and I always do, but I always have questions in my mind, right? But I think you you should ask questions. So just feel free to reach out to people uh, who you think or who you you know who you think could guide you, uh, yeah. and uh, don't be shy. Absolutely. I think that's really good advice. And the other thing I like is as well is that over time, I mean, you organically arrived to project management, but it was through you studying urban design and doing architecture and then traveling and then being involved in doing various aspects of project management in an architecture, in the role of an architect and realizing, oh, do you know what? I like this, that you kind of found where you're at now. And that's the other thing that I would encourage anyone listening to. I mean, I studied architecture and then I moved into recruitment. This is kind of how life goes. And it was because I, I, um, like yourself, I really enjoyed the crits. I really enjoyed speaking to people. And I was the cheeky chap in the Arctic office, which was not the best at getting details out. But I was good at speaking to everyone. Yeah. And and you you kind of, um, but is the thing is, if I didn't study architecture, then I wouldn't lead an architectural recruitment team because because I know the industry and I care about it is why yeah. I do what I do now. And yeah. so what I'm saying is it's like the, the stepping path. And um, maybe, I mean, the point is that the project management role came up through you and your career. And maybe if there's anyone listening, you, you don't necessarily need to be a project manager per se, or I always say, try being an architect first, or, you know, some people, Absolutely. you know, it's like, oh, should I do, oh, I didn't do my part free. Um, but I, I worked at industry for a year to kind of feel out what I liked and what I didn't like about it. And that kind of informed my perception of what I wanted to do with my career. And I always think if you study architecture, you should at least go into architectural practice for a few years. And then you can use that experience to become a project manager or go into, you know, smaller scale interior design or go big scale urban design or, you Absolutely. know, you might... You, you might go, um, uh, you know, forget this. I'm opening up a cake shop. But if you, <laughs> absolutely. No, and you're right. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, Stephen. And you know, when you mentioned about, uh, you know, we as architects, I think, see, I think the moment you are into an architecture field, right, you, you tend to have an element of creative thinking. Mm. So uh, I think whenever any any issues arise uh, in in project management life, right? Uh, If there is an issue, I think the component of of us being uh, inherently architects and we coming out with creative uh, solutions comes comes really naturally, I think. 
So you should just have that confidence in you that you would be able to find, you know, a solution when, you know, even if you're doing the Excel sheets and Gantt charts, right? It's, um, it's, it, I agree with you. Do you know what? It's, you learn so many skills studying architecture, presenting. I mean, the whole, you know, getting a two one in architecture or whatever grade you get, it's really tough. So I think there's so much skills there. And what I like, which you quite highlighted as well, is because I think architecture is so broad and you learn so much. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean um, that you are quote unquote a good businessman. No, it doesn't mean you have to be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a handy skill. If you're running your own architectural practice, mm. I mean, I've run a few businesses and mm. I've learned the hard way of mm-hmm. doing it wrong half the time. And that's, and that's a good life lesson. But it's like what you said before of when you were asking questions about how do you win work? How do you yeah. do all this stuff? Because architecture is so broad. I mean, yeah. it's one, it's one art form to be like, a really good front-end designer, a really good delivery architect, mm-hmm. but then running an architectural business or project management as a skill, mm-hmm. that is kind of like a whole separate thing again. It's Absolutely. so, it's, there's so much. So you kind of have to, I think the more you do architecture for a while, then you can kind of hone in on what you want to do. I mean, what do you think? Is that a fair? A good, yeah. That is, that is, Stephen. And I think uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I I always draw this parallel, uh, you know, in my family, everybody is into medicine. And uh, it's like, you know, when you are out of a medical school and we are out of architecture, there are so many specializations that are there at your disposal that you could possibly, you know, you could become an oncologist or a radiologist or an ophthalmologist Mm -hmm. and, you know, or just become a GP general practitioner who knows perhaps a little bit of everything right uh, so mm. it's it's really you know a whole spectrum and that's what architecture actually gives you it gives you the opportunity to go from you know an interior design and focusing for product design interior design urban design you know actual hardcore architecture urban planning like there are endless possibilities these days and particularly i mean i i happen to meet uh, someone very interesting who actually did architecture, but then just went into some, you know, media and communication. Like she just Mm. thought that, you know, she was uh, a bit more of, uh, you know, a media person. Uh, Mm. But architecture actually helped her to know her skill sets in that sense. So you you just have to, you know, do a little bit of introspection sometime, take a little bit of me time and thank God to, you know, the good, to see the good part or the good side of this lockdown is it has given people time to reflect. Yeah. And I think the positive way of using this time is really, you know, just really understanding, you know, what are my skill sets? You know, what what am I good at? Do you know, do you want to hone those and, you know, just uh, and cash opportunities with, with those? And I, th- I, and I think if you if you do that, um, you know, the work doesn't really become like work, you know, like like a chore, <laughs> you know, you don't have to do an extra effort. So, yeah. I think that's great. Um, well, that's how we started talking last week, isn't it? Because yeah. of my um, my podcast, which was kind of like with me banging my bow on the hall and saying people should use this time in lockdown to do um, try and be constructive. Yeah, because I mean we're all we're all guilty of it, and mm-hmm. I just think that what it's better to do something or learn from it than to look back and it to be a waste of time because yeah. we can't go back. And hopefully, if this vaccine ever does come out, which I'm hope it sounds hopeful, yeah. but the point is there is like the end of the tunnel and what what, do, what kind of person do you want to be at the end of the year to be like oh that was tough i didn't really do much or do you want to do you want to do something yeah i mean 
that that's where I see it. But no one's perfect, and we all we all learn along the way. And so, I mean, that's been really useful. What I would like to do is going to be would be interesting to know though as well. I mean, can you give me a flavor for anyone to visualize here the kind of projects that you project manage? Or I mean, what's been the biggest, craziest, or most complicated building that you, you've overcome and delivered? Have you worked on any big ones you're allowed to talk about or complicated <laughs> projects? Uh, I may not be able to talk about the ones that I would want to talk about, Ooh. but but but, uh, but there are uh, you know this is a recent one, and I think uh, I have used it again. I have used this project for my academics. I, I by the way, I recently just finished you know my part three. I wanted to do it. It was in my bucket list, so I've used this hey, well for done. that. Um, uh, but uh, having said that, I mean you know it's a very this this one this project. Uh, it was a spinning. Uh, studio and it was a very small project but you cannot even you know uh, you would think that a smaller project will be less complex and you know it wouldn't have as many issues as a you know as a bigger project but that's not the case unfortunately Mm. you know you never know what is happening or what would happen tomorrow even if you have planned and you know worked it out to the t you don't know what would happen or what would go wrong and that's everything that could go wrong perhaps you know perhaps went wrong but in the end uh, i think uh, what my biggest learning was um communication was something that i learned for this project because i literally project managed this um, and I was involved in this project from our IBA stage zero to, you know, stage seven, stage six. And um, there, there was an element of, uh, you know, and we are all guilty of it. Architects are all guilty of this. Whenever there is something happening where, you know, you are asked to do an extra bit of work, we don't ask for additional service or we don't ask for money or, you know, we don't ask mm. for, we, we, in a way, in my head, and this is completely my take on this, I think we really devalue the what we bring to the table. And yeah. that is something I I really learned that uh, if we as professionals, you know, devalue, then how would you expect our architecture profession to be paid better? You know, to you know, for us to have good profits, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I know it's 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 another it's another podcast if you want to talk about it, but. Uh, yeah, coming coming to the reality, the, the two issues were literally this communication, which had to be, uh, you know, and not between perhaps myself and the client or, you know, the uh, the firm and the client. It was more so between, you know, the contractors and the subcontractors and, you know, the whole chain when the, when the project mm. actually started on site. Um, but yes, uh, I think uh, I'm not, for the next project I would perhaps go to, I am not going to shy away again to ask questions, to know the processes, to know what's the, what are the gaps. And I think it's it's very important to be able to do that because only when you know the answers to these questions, then at least you know what contingency plan you're going to have if things go wrong, right? Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that's, that's the learning I've had from, you know, to tell you in a nutshell. It, it's amazing. I love that as well. It's, it doesn't matter the size of the project. It's problems still can pop up. So in this case, size doesn't matter. No. Gentlemen. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely. Size doesn't matter. You know, problems are going to creep up. You're like, hang on, this project was small. I thought this would be easy. No. I spin in class with people in. You're like, you guys, you guys are spinning crazy. No. That's a, 
That's that's amazing. All right, fantastic. And look, I I think that's really insightful. And to me, it's been really interesting. So what I was going to say now is, so you're on the architecture social, and um, I love your energy. Maybe we can get some ideas or and some stuff going. But if anyone wants to ask any questions about project management, they can find you on the architecture social. You're also on uh, LinkedIn as well. Yeah. So someone can add you there. So yes. it's Ruchi Sabali. Did yes. I get that right? That's oh, absolutely yes. right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm doing in my head? You know when you think about the wrong way and then I'm like, which way is it? I'm, I'm kind of being like, oh, it's definitely not that way. All right, okay. People can add you there as well. Um, that's really great. I mean, I'm really excited to um, maybe when – if one day you can reveal the confidential projects and maybe what we can do at some point is uh, maybe down the line, there could be a show and tell with a literal example where you project manage and overcome stuff. That. Yeah. Because yeah? I think this is, this is like a really nice intro. And then the next one we can have like <laughs> the, the, the spinning class returns. And it's, <laughs> Absolutely. All the problems. You, you know, what, so, though, Stephen, there's, there's one, there's one definition, you know, have you been ever asked, um, why do you feel proud of being an architect or why, what do you like about architecture? Like I've, I've got this question so many times mm-hmm. and very recently though. Okay. I, I'd like to read it out to you because I, I specifically Ooh. wanted to, uh, you know, mention this and this particular definition uh, goes like this. Okay. So the question obviously is, you know, why do you feel proud of being an architect? So I read this somewhere. I'm just quoting. I smiled and said, a lawyer's income increases with increase in crime and litigation. A doctor's income increases with the increase in diseases, illness, and now the pandemic. But an architect's income increases with prosperity of people and the nation. Mm. Now, that, when I read this, right, literally brought, brought a smile on my face. It may be way too philosophical in many ways, but, you know, this is something that I was perhaps not able to pin it down in words or say, in, say it in words. And I think this is really it. Why do I feel, why do I feel so uh, glad that I'm in architecture or why I did architecture, even if it is not, you know, uh, what it should be in terms of, uh, you know, if you want to compare yourself to a lawyer's income or, you know, uh, a doctor's income, for example. What keeps us going, right? There's, 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 there's an always an element of uh, surprise in our lives. But I, I, I thought this, this definition uh, of an architect was uh, quite interesting, right? What do you think? Of I that? think so. Yeah, I, I agree. And look, I think that architecture, uh, the career, there is something so valuable. It reminds me of um, an associate at EPR who I was basically working for, and when I was a part one, and he had the same thing where he's saying, like. I've got a friend who's a lawyer who earns over a hundred grand and he's so jealous of me. And I, I remember thinking as a kid, like, why is he jealous? He's rich, you know? But what it was is you said, I went, why? And, uh, you know, the associate said at the time, he's like, well, I get to draw all day and make a difference. Whereas the lawyer doesn't, it's literally about money, um, in his, in, in his friend's perception. Of course you can get some solicitors that do great jobs. And the point is, is that architecture and look, I'll tell you right now in recruitment, you know, there's always the 1% where you can make a lot of money like everywhere else. But for the, for the most part, if you think in architecture, it has to be about something that transcends money. And it's like yourself yeah. doing that project management, delivering mm. the, 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 
the building, getting the, the people spinning in the spinning classes. That's all. That's kind of, but that's what makes it worth it because yeah. that is, that transcends being quote unquote, uh, I like to use the analogy of, you know, an accountant. I have a friend who's an accountant. And so it's like, oh, it's a nightmare. Or being a recruitment consultant like me, build a building, make, it, make something different. But uh, I agree. And that's what I say. So, I mean, look, if that's your passion, then the architecture is always rewarding. Yeah. Um, you're going to get a few people saying, not paid enough and you know yeah. over time hopefully that will change i do think it's what you're saying though of like it's about retaining that value with the client and i think Absolutely. what's good is the conversations and i've had a few podcasts and i think it's prominent in what people are saying and i like what you say Ruchi, about a bit of extra work it should be extra time i mean yeah. i've i when i ran the business before you know we had we're accountants everything you you do is extra and we had a solicitor as well because you got to set up all the, the recruitment, yeah. law, legal stuff. And let me tell you, when you ring up uh, a solicitor, <laughs> they have a little button there. Of course they do. They're like, Don't they? Stephen Drew's ringing. Yes. Let's turn it on. Uh, half an hour conversation under pounds. You're like, what? <laughs> but, yeah, you know, that's and that's industry standard. Yeah. And I think that um, the point is you can do it in a way which is not um, – because I think people almost feel a bit embarrassed to ask for money sometimes, mm. and that shouldn't be the case. Well, but what you're on about is, look, there's a bit of extra work. We can do a really good job. I need to keep the team um, morale high. You get a higher output. And to do this properly, so mm-hmm. you haven't got a bodge job, £1,000 worth of time. You know, if you, Or if maybe you can phrase it more elegantly than that, yes. but that's the point, isn't it? And um, I think the sooner we do that as um, as an industry, the I think everything will go up because my current uh, theory that I've had for a while is that when the fees are low, it's the beginning of, it's not dramatic, the beginning of the end, but basically all the problems come for it because when there's lower money, you as a project manager get lower resources on it. You get, you know, the time constraints or there's less room to move or, you know, if the, if the fees are low, basically if something doesn't go through the planning, I remember working in one building that didn't go through the planning and we had to do all these um, resubmissions and there was no money left to do it. And what happened is that the team was less, the morale was lower. And, exactly. and so, and so unfortunately a lot of this can, you know, if, if the fees are right at the start, it can be the difference between, an enjoyable spinning experience or Absolutely. you know or just you know just literally spin in place the further analogy <laughs> so all <laughs> right I've, I've enjoyed that now so i'm going to say well done <laughs> on being a project manager and doing everything in architecture so Ruchi, <laughs> you are you have literally you have um from from urban design to interior design architecture now project management i can't wait to see what you get up to next um i can't wait to see some projects and yeah maybe we'll do a zoom show and tell and again just for anyone who wants to add you you are on linkedin you are yes. on the architecture social um yes. and you're open to all questions from a junior to an architect and, and making connections absolutely well, Thank you so much. I thank really appreciate you. it. No, thank All you, right, Stephen. Richie. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I think, yeah. you know, I hope, I hope your listeners uh, or our listeners sort of get you know something out of this conversation. And you know, whoever wants to get into project management, I think it's just a matter of just looking at your skill sets and what you're good at, and just make it like a second nature and go for it. Right? 
<laughs> I agree. I agree. Fantastic. It's a sh- next time we definitely need to get this on video as well because people can't see the the man, the, uh, the picture of the man and the cup of tea in the background. That's going to be a pleasure I've had. This of is course. like curious Van Gogh picture in the background. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Thank you. Oh, I could talk all day. Thank you so much, Ruchi. Oh, wait, that so is my job as well, isn't it? <laughs> Bye, Ruchi. Take care.